Hola, 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 it's me, Cassandra Melody, back with episode four, episode four, hey ho, it's episode four of Brews and Brouhaha podcast. Thanks for joining me again on this week's episode. I love doing this. I found, I really found my passion and my stride in getting this podcast out. For all my Canadian people, happy Thanksgiving. Let's also recognize our Indigenous people because they gave us a land that we're living on today and to honor them and to respect them um, when we have holidays like this because it is a bit of a dichotomy in the sense of it's great to be around family and friends and to you know just have that um, company especially during these times where our governments are telling us stay home stay home but at the same time uh, you know also just acknowledging that we are on their land and we have to be grateful for being on their land but to respect some of the history that has come with us being on that land anyways so recap for last week I was talking about why are people so needy And I really learned a lot about myself through that podcast and just kind of speaking my thoughts out into the universe. Uh, It also made a lot of conversations with friends and family just for the fact that everyone's definition of what is needy is so different. Like I said in the beginning of that podcast, I found it to be very weak to need people. But that was my perspective, just coming from someone who can be very independent and at times not realize how much her independence can actually overshadow the times when she needs help from people uh, I really took away the fact that I need to step back from that and allow myself to let myself need people and let people help me when needed as well and vice versa try to look at people who need me maybe in that light but also always have your boundaries and respect what your boundaries are when it comes to that because you just don't want to be taxed like I don't want to be taxed by anyone in that light anyways I said I was going to address someone I believe who's too needy in my life and I did I did address someone who was too needy in my life it was not an easy conversation to have they never really are but I felt that I wasn't being my true self if I didn't achieve this mini goal I guess I don't I don't even want to call it a goal because goals are like levels of attainment for me that take me further in life but more like just being open with myself and being open with that person and communicating how I felt about certain situations so I did do that Anywho, let's move forward and I hope you achieve whatever goal you set for yourself last week uh, in regards to the topic of neediness and how people need you or whether or not you are on the other side of that where you feel like you need people quite a bit in order to be able to survive. And I should say that in these times especially, the thought of survival and being in survival mode is just so rampant through a lot of us. Sometimes we don't even want to acknowledge our experiences because we're afraid that we're going to offend other people whose experiences may be quote-unquote worse than what we're experiencing but you have to allow yourself that uh, opportunity to actually you know talk about your experience so anyways for this week our brew is called kettle sour brunch check out the instagram brews and brew bahahas to uh, see it and um, you'll see that it is a sour wheat beer berliner weiss i guess as you would say in probably German and it's very citrusy so it's actually made in Quebec um, from Brasse Chaise in Oshlag, Quebec Uh, no in Montreal Quebec and I'm reading the can so that's why it sounds a little confusing but what I like about this can is like you do see the citrus aspect as soon as you look at the can there's like some oranges on there and it says kettle sour brunch Uh, it's about three percent alcohol in a 355 ml light beer 
on the back of the can, which is kind of cool, it tells you what it pairs with. So the first one is like breakfast. Another one's like sun tanning at the beach. So you can see a person lying out on like a chaise lounge and then there's like the umbrella right beside them. The third is about um, sunshine. So it's like pretty cool how it's kind of telling you, you know, go out there and enjoy it. Also, it describes it as the mimosa of beer. And I'm going to say when I tried it, I thought it was like a watered down mimosa. Mm-mm. I shouldn't say watered down. It was like a lighter version of a mimosa. If you like mimosas, orange juice and uh, champagne typically or sparkling wine, uh, you know, it can be a little bit sweeter because you do have that orange juice, which generally when you're buying is not fresh squeezed, it's probably boxed. And then for the champagne, it tends to be on the cheaper side, unless you're at a place that has more elevated levels of orange juice and champagne or sparkling wine. So it does say that it um, is a mimosa of beer. And as far as the citrus content goes, I would say you can definitely smell the citrus aspect. It doesn't say which citrus fruits are in there, but I'm assuming a little bit of lemon, a little bit of lime, definitely orange and I doubt there's grapefruit in there, but I think it'd be pretty cool to have a little bit of grapefruit in there. If you like Palomas, I think the grapefruit would be a great additive in here. Um, As far as the bubble factor, very, very, very light on bubbles. It really does. I just took a sip. (laughs) It really does taste more like a flatter beer. And compared to last week's, this one's a little more flat as far as the bubble factor goes. So I'm liking it. I think it'll be easier for people to digest who do not like a lot of carbonation or fizziness in any drink that they have. So I would recommend it for that. It is 3%, so it's light enough to have in the daytime. Uh, And you'd have to knock back quite a few to actually feel the effects of it because it really just feels like you're having a a beer with some orange juice in it. It's not too bad. Um, Apart from that, the color of it, it is a light orange, a little bit of opaqueness going on. A little bit of cloudiness too, which kind of is a little different from some of the other drinks that I've been having lately. And uh, I would, I'd recommend it. This is not going to be something I'm probably going to go back to just because I like a little bit of a stronger drink. But if I want something lighter in the daytime, maybe I would go for it. But generally, I, I wouldn't gravitate towards this as much, even though I love sour beers. And like sour beers is where I was going You'll probably notice that the trend of drinking has kind of leaned a little bit lately to sour beers because when I picked up all this like beer <laughs> earlier, I was really looking at stuff at the end of summer. So it was fairly seasonal for that time. And I think that kind of um, con- attributes to the fact that, you know, with this sourness, it's a little bit lighter and it's a little bit easier to have. Anyways, that's all I want to really talk about with this beer because it's okay. I don't mind it, but I do see it being something that I probably wouldn't get. But if I have a friend who's not really into alcohol or someone who doesn't like a lot of carbonation, I might pick this up for them. I think they would enjoy it. And it's not sweet at all. Um, it's very much more on the sour side, uh, like I said. But anyways, all right. I've talked enough about this beer. Kettle Sour Brunch. Try it. Let me know your thoughts. Send me a DM. Ooh, get me on the DM. Get me on the DMs. Anyhow, <laughs> let's talk about today's brouhaha. So this topic came because I was having a conversation with someone about my experience being a black woman. And I felt like having that as a topic, 
doesn't really invite everyone to the conversation. And I don't want to be the person who, you know, sets a standard for what it is to be a black woman, but I can only talk about my experience and what I felt. So rather than, rather than just talk about being a black woman, which I will, um, but I'm going to talk about being a black woman in the context of how I operate in life. So today's topic is about feeling boxed in. I think that's something that a lot of people can understand, have been there, have experienced it. Uh, the feeling of feeling boxed in is, in my opinion, one of the worst feelings you could ever have. I just don't like people controlling me or putting barriers or blocks around me and shutting me in so that I can fit the mold of what they consider to be acceptable. You know, when you hear boxed in, you'll hear words like bounded, confined, contained, limited, restricted. And I truly believe that, like, you know, when I hear those words, I automatically just kind of go, like, if you know, that kind of feeling where you're just like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 don't box me in. I think all my life, people have tried to box me in and it's normal. Like, if you look in through psychology, it's very normal for people to look at someone make judgments based on what they see and their experience of what that person is or if they've interacted with people who look like that person generally. Um, But I don't like that feeling and I'm very much against it. So I just wanted to talk about the feeling of being boxed in, when you uh, ways to identify if you're feeling boxed in and kind of some things that I try to do whenever I feel like someone's trying to put me into a box. So this is about my experience. Please understand this is general. Um, this is not general, I should say, like, this is just who I am. So it's very specific to me. It's very personal to me as well. And I hope that by hearing my experience of feeling boxed in, maybe you can identify with it on some other level, but don't look at me to be the standard for quote unquote boxed in black women. Okay. I don't need it. And I'm not that. All right. Let's talk about it. So my experience being a black woman has always felt very nuance to me. I have always been very free-spirited, very free-minded, and that has not always lended to me feeling accepted by black the black community and also by the non-black community. Growing up as a child, coming from BC, where I was predominantly around a lot of Asian descended people, so mostly Chinese. So when I say Asian, I'm talking about like Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, stuff like that, but primarily Chinese. Um, So I was already a minority within a quote-unquote minority, but I was accepted. Like, I didn't really feel like anything. Obviously, as a little kid, I don't think I really identified what that was because you're just like, oh, you want to be my friend? Yeah, sure, I'll be your friend. Yay, we're friends. Like, you know, little kids, everything's so simple with little kids. You have to just, like, look at it, admire it, and kind of always try to go back to that um, that mindset, just because when we get older, we just become, again, boxing with our thoughts, restricted, limited, and we don't move as much, um, or we're not as accepting as we could be. So when we came from BC to Ontario, and we came to Southern Ontario, like the GTA, Greater Toronto area, you'll notice that like, there's so many different cultures and ethnicities, you know, Toronto is, I believe, the number one multicultural city in the world. I forget how many ethnicities and ethnic groups there are, da 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 but it's it's really high. I think maybe it's over 200, whatever. I don't remember the number, but it's pretty high. Anyways, um, so coming out here as a little kid and then growing up in Mississauga, you know, um, 
you know, at the time it was like mostly, mostly white, but then there are more and more immigrant families coming in. So coming from a place where it was predominantly Asian, like I said, then moving to a place that was predominantly white with a lot of immigrant families that were starting to come in, you know, you kind of think, you would think that you would be able to, you know, find your place a little bit easier, maybe within the immigrant group or, you know, just being a first generation born Canadian, you know, maybe with the other first generation born Canadians or whatnot. But I noticed at a very young age, like probably around a time when we moved out here, that I was always a little bit different. All my friends, funny enough, were Asian, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese. I hope I don't forget any other ones because they would probably kill me. But (laughs) I just kind of like, you know, had an affinity towards people like that because of my background being in BC. And then coming here, I automatically went towards that. But as much as I automatically went towards that, I'm not from that background and cultural set, right? So my background is Jamaican. Um, I never felt like I was one of them Jamaicans who was like, blah, 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 like, you know, lick shots. I was never like that kind of Jamaican. I was just like, hey man, I'm Jamaican. Like, it's just a thing. I never really thought I had to put on an accent or walk a certain way or act a certain way to feel Jamaican. I was just automatically Jamaican. So for me, interacting with other people who were black, I didn't feel like I had to, again, assimilate to what the, their version of blackness was. So let's fast forward a bit. Going through elementary, again, coming from this very free-spirited nature, it didn't always vibe well within a lot of the black, other black people I was with. And not to mention, like, I was also chubby. I was also very tall and whatnot. And I, I got picked on a little bit for being like the little fat kid. But at the same time, because I was so tall, I could also sit on you. So you couldn't really fuck with me like that, which was great. But, uh, you know, I just kept feeling like people were trying to mold me into certain things. When I got to junior high, that was one of those stages when I felt like, and I remember mentally saying to myself, I could either be cool or I could be myself. Because, because I saw how the people who were in that quote unquote cool group acted. And they were all very much, you know, just trying to be like each other. They were trying to do nothing that was risque. They couldn't be themselves. And I was like, this is weird. And for me, the people I always have been attracted to are people who are very individualistic people. And I'm like, oh, I fuck with that vibe. Because if I'm just trying to assimilate with people who act the same, are afraid of taking chances, and like I, I could put a whole bunch of words into a box, <laughs> funny enough, to describe people who just stay within the barriers and the boundaries so that they're accepted by society versus those of us who like to say fuck that and kick those barriers down. Like there's so many words I could put in there and so many words I don't like to associate with myself or even to speak from my mouth. So you know, seeing those groups of girls, primarily girls, but even the guys too. I remember in elementary, the way the black boys were, we were all like free and happy. And when we got to junior high, they started to try to become quote unquote hard and quote unquote definitions of black people that they saw on the media. Mind you, this is from like 96 to 98. So, you know, Tupac and Biggie and all that, that rap stuff was going on back then. So like that was our benchmark for what it was to be black. Being Canadian and being black I don't want to say didn't have an identity, but it was still being carved out. I probably had like a Cardinal Official um, and the Baby Blue Sound (laughs) Man, I'm aging myself right now. Like, (laughs) I'm dead. But, you know, all that was kind of there. And they were still trying to find their identity. So here you are, this little black kid, seeing this, I think, American projected version of what black is. You're living in Canada. Now you're seeing Canadians trying to 
define what that is from a musical perspective. And so then your only like examples of what it is to be black become from this American projected musical aspect. I wasn't seeing people who were like physicists who are black or doctors who are black or you know certain people within sports like golf for example you know when Tiger Woods came out come on as much as he doesn't claim his blackness let's not even go into that but you know bitch you black um you know <laughs> like it was different to see that I mean, whenever we see people who go outside the realms of what we're considering to be black which again is always that hip-hop projected version of blackness and and fortunately there's so much negative connotations with that as you know rapping it was a way to get out of the hood you know it's always from a hood mindset i didn't grow up in the hood not all black people grow up in the hood you know i grew up in mississauga okay i'm not saying i grew up rich but i grew up in a suburb and you know life was fairly fantastic for the most part there wasn't much crime i had a good education we have health care hello um, it was safe for me to be outside at night. I never had to worry about that. Well, truth say, I wouldn't have worried. That would have been my mom worrying and stuff like that. But, you know, it wasn't that that feeling. But even for friends I have who, you know, grew up in the quote-unquote hood, for the most part, they had the same things as me, but maybe just a little bit more aware of their settings, right? So, and that's in Canada. I'm just going to say that's in Canada. And that's from experiences from my closest friends who growing up there and I respect their experience and they respect my experience because they've seen both sides of what it's like to grow in that area or grow up in that area and then you know maybe grow up in an area that's a little, a little more suburban like not to go off track but it's funny when I talk to like one of my best friends who had that transition from being in a more urban worst words ever urban area and then kind of moving to the burbs and then seeing how the people in the suburbs who didn't have to face any animosity compared to those who were not in the suburbs who would have seen more. And that's what I talked about with that cultural awareness and being more aware. They did have to face a little bit more than we did have than we had to out in the suburbs, but like, you know, they were just more aware of things and a little bit more advanced, a little bit more knowledgeable. And that's not to say that was everyone's experience either, okay? That's general. That's general and just based off some firsthand stories I've been told. But as my friend was talking about or B, was talking about seeing these people, you know, in Mississauga, trying to act hood-like. Like, and the fact that it was quite funny to her to see that. And those were the same guys I grew up with who initially were, you know, just like me, a free little kid being like, la-dee-dee, la-dee-da. But as they moved into junior high and they started to be exposed to more quote-unquote black culture and what it was to be black, they boxed themselves into what was acceptable. As someone like me who didn't do that, I would always be on the outskirts. I always want to do different things. And I still to this day always want to do different things. So as I went through high school, that's where I did meet my best friend B, you know, and if people were to see us at the time, we look like two opposite different people. Technically on the outside, she would have totally fit into the idea of what it was to be black. People automatically credited her because of where she grew up and, you know, uh, her coming out to Saga, it kind of put her on a bit of a pedestal. Me growing up being that girl who was myself and whatever, you know, I was just constantly looked at as, oh, like she's weird or she's different. But that was because I rejected the idea of boxing in. When we moved through high school, there are many opportunities where, again, I could have been like everyone else, folded into the mold to be accepted so I can get invited to those parties 
be a part of those dance crews, you know, date those guys and do all the things other people were doing. But being true to myself was much more important as a young woman. Having my free mind, having my thoughts was so much more important to me than, you know, trying to be like everyone else. Like when you think about it, how boring is it to be like everyone else? Right? Think of the people you've dated in life. Everyone has something that they like about someone they date that someone else doesn't like. Imagine if you got rid of that one thing that made uh, the people you like different and you just assimilate to everyone else. What a boring dating pool it would be. Like, I don't want to date the same guy or be with the same person that all my friends are with just so that I can feel socially acceptable. A little off tangent, but that's how I felt. So going through high school, I was myself. And then when I got out of high school, between high school and university, this is when I first started my first step into breaking through that box. Because in high school, I tried. I tried to put in the tight clothing that didn't fit my body properly. I tried to speak the lingo. I tried. I literally tried because I felt like being myself wasn't working. So maybe if I'd be like them, it would work. But being true to myself, it never felt authentic. Okay. So after high school, I go from university, go to university within a few years. I took some time off to do some stuff. And the first thing I did with this program offered by the government that took you around Canada. The reason why I applied for this program was because I was like, well, I didn't apply to university. I don't know what I want to do in life. And I want some, someone to pay for me to have some experiences to travel across the country. And I got that. In, in the program, Kitimovic, I learned how to being a household of strangers, how to cook, how to clean, how to go to work, come home, be a part of a quote unquote family and contribute to society in a very meaningful way through volunteer um, programship. And also, um, you know, just as a young person being very independent, that's my first foray into being independent because I'd lived with at my parents' house, my mom, you know, up until that point, and I never had the opportunity to just, you know, be on my own and do things. It was very challenging. When I went there, quote, guess what? I was the only black person in my group. I was the only black person in many of the groups because there was about a group of 12 of us that lived together and we traveled together. So we were like a family and you would meet other groups along your travels with this program. And I always was the first only first and only black person, I think, in every group. Like I truly don't remember anyone else being black. But even that now here I am as a black girl from Mississauga. It was free-minded, meeting people from small-ass fucking towns in nowhere Canada who haven't met a black person and who have an idea what it is to be black based on what? Again, the MTV version of this black person that they've seen online or on TV, you know? Like, how come you don't speak like this? How come you don't look like that? How come you don't do this? Like, these were questions and feelings that I could, I could feel from other people, you know, as they were trying to box me into something that was comfortable for them to understand. But again, being who I am, I was just like, nah, bro, like I'm the black girl who listens to all types of music. I'm the black girl who loves dancing. I'm the black girl who reads a ton of books. Like I read so much. I'm the black girl who does whatever she kind of wants. I'm the black girl who's going to learn every language. I'm going to travel the world. Like I was a different case. And for them to see that was like their experience with a black person or their experience with black people. And when I was in that program, I really developed and I grew so much. 
I'm forever grateful for that program. As much as there were times where I was like, fuck this, I want to go home, cough, cough, Michelle, because you know what I'm talking about. Um, But I stayed the course. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for it. I'm actually super grateful for it. Like I said, learning how to cook, how to be with people, la-di-di, la-di-da. It was amazing. But even there, I got to expand and check out my black girlness and what that meant for me. Whether it was dyeing my hair bleach blonde, then blue, um, skinny dipping at night, you know, going on nature trails, having blackberries with deer around you, just like doing weird shit. Imagine, I'm 19 dead of winter january 2004 and where do i go for my first rotation in this program cochran motherfucking ontario i never even heard of the fucking place before and but where did the plane actually land even worse moonbeam fucking ontario like i had to experience some really weird shit with that you know even like being a black person in a very white and indigenous community I'm a complete outsider. Like, I don't fit in anywhere here. None of my experiences make sense to people. And again, within my family slash group I lived with, that was one way of, you know, testing my blackness. Then being out in that town was another way of testing my blackness as well. And when I was there, I actually worked within the community. And uh, I got to meet a ton of people who had a need uh, for additional support through food banks and through, uh, like you know, food drive, clothing drive, excuse me, as well. So... I tested my blackness there. And like I said, throughout this program, I went from Northern Ontario. I lived there. Then I went to Northern Quebec and I lived there. And then I went out to BC on the island and lived there. And everywhere I went, I was the only black person. So I had to kind of have my experience and not feel like I'm being boxed into what they want me to do. And that's very challenging at 19 years old to be able to do that. But I thrived and I survived. But, you know, Using on that, using that experience, and you know, building on that experience as I got older, and I was in my twenties now, and I came back to the city and, and whatnot, it really challenged me on what it meant to be black. I wasn't seeing black people travel across the world, and that was a big thing for me. And it took me such a long time to actually get the nerve to be like, "Fuck this, I'm out." Yes, I would go to Jamaica. Yes, I would go to the states and visit my friend Nick in Jamaica. I'd go and visit my family, but I wanted to see more. And it started with trips to other places in Canada. Then it took me um, to Asia and I got to go to Europe. And then I've gone to like more Caribbean places and, you know, just Australia. Like I keep pushing this boundary of what it means to be black. And when you're black and especially within travel, like you can get boxed in pretty quickly. People are not used to seeing black people around the world. Like I remember being in... I think I was in Thailand. It was, yes, we were in Thailand. It was the middle of the night. Well, not middle of the night. It was probably like 11 o'clock at night. And we were going to the 7-Eleven. And I'm walking down the street. And here I am, this black girl, just like, do, 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 do. And I'm with a bunch of white people who are on this tour with me. But seeing white people is one thing. But seeing a black person, like, people stopped and looked at you. Because, like, oh, wow, like, you're different. Like, like you know. And, again, you're you have to be mindful of having those stereotypes set on you when you meet these people like it's always in the back of my mind but I never want to let the experience I've gone through um in my life hinder me from having a free mind having a free spirit and being open to meeting with people and having experiences in life 
I never want that to happen for the sake of being boxed in, whether it's by people in my culture, people outside of my culture or whatever, you know? So my advice for anyone listening, if, if you feel boxed in, you know, you have to identify what that feels like. Remember when I talked about this, I was talking about being confined, feeling restricted, trapped, confused. What are you going to do with that? You need to find more clarity in why you're feeling like this. You know, um, it's like, why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel like I have to adapt to what people want me to do? If you ever watched uh, 90 Day Fiance, I think it's the other way. There's this guy on there and he's an Indian. He's dating this woman named Jenny. So he's like 30, 31. She's in her 60s. And he's feeling boxed in right now due to societal pressures of dating an older woman from another culture and, you know, wanting to make sure that he adheres to what his parents want. But his parents' main purpose for wanting what they want from him is all about society and how people are going to look at them. How shitty does that feel? That's a shitty way to feel, you know? They are boxed in at their big ass age of maybe 50 or 60 years old because they're too afraid to go against status quo. I think the father made a, a, a comment about you can't, you can't grow a lemon from a mango tree. That's shitty to hear. I laughed when I heard it, but I still think it's fairly shitty to hear. But all this to say, make sure you're always pushing the boundaries with people because it's really important for you to do stuff like that and for you to know, you know, that you have the choice in life to do what you want to do. When you start to feel like you're feeling boxed and find some clarity, make a list of goals that you want to achieve and move forward with them. There's more to life than living by other people's standards and you have the ability to do that. So my my request for this week is set one goal of where you feel like you're being boxed in someplace in your life and to find some method for you to get out of that way. Like I said, one way for me was the fact that everyone expected me to be like some MTV hip hop person. So one way of not being a part of that was listening to different music. I love the group Sublime. It's one of my favorite groups ever. People wouldn't know that if they didn't have a conversation with me. So start to have those conversations with yourself of why you're feeling trapped in, confused, and boxed in, and start to make little choices that will help you get out of there. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, It was a little bit more personal than normal, well, than I would normally want it to be. But I really think it's it's good to hear other people's experiences so that you can identify those things within yourself as well and then move forward. Again, today's drink was Kettle Sour Brunch, 3% alcohol. It's half decent. I recommend it to, you know, anyone who wants a little bit bit of a lighter drink. Um, It's like a mimosa, but like I said, just a little bit lighter. And I wish you guys well, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. But next week's going to be cool because next week I'm going to have my best friend, May. And she is a hoot. Anyways, thank you. Bye-bye.